This week on the show, Griff and I review the original New York hard seltzer pack, explore the space between the stars in a Griffin's God complex segment on the Black Butterfly, reflect on the events of HLP episode 205, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. Back again. Live. In front of a beautiful audience of beautiful people. Griffin, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. It's a good one, man. It was gloomy at the start of the day, mm-hmm. but uh, the sun was coming out when you came over. I mean, I brought it with me. Let's I, be honest. I guess so. I guess so. It's uh, shaking out to actually be a nice day. Yeah. Lightning came down by my apartment so hard this morning that it was setting off car alarms. It's wild. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that must have hit close. Yeah. <laughs> I almost didn't make it here today. I guess not. Good thing you weren't on your balcony. No, yeah, that would have blown me away. <laughs> or I'd have superpowers, which you, is you can't be six three cool. on a balcony during a lightning storm. I'll tell you what. No, that's just signing your own death warrant. <laughs> creating the high ground. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. So happy Saturday. It's now starting to clear up. Beautiful day out. It's like 75 degrees. Very pleasant. Griffin, what have you been up to, man? Uh well. Between last time and this time, I finished getting my tattoo. Show it off to the people uh, watching, yeah. man. Check can, that shit that, out. That sucker, it's, uh, yeah. it's done. It's done and healing. So, jeez, oh, I spent 26 hours in the chair being tattooed. Uh, and I want to say like nine hours for four sessions. So, uh a lot 36 uh hours in the, total the, yeah in like the tattoo studio you know it's kind of wild because the way that i ended up getting this tattoo was my tattoo artist had an opening on a friday mm-hmm. and i was like hey man i totally book a session with you if you're if you're free uh, he's like well five people have reached out to me including you so like I'm gonna pick based off of what concept I like. So like what's your concept? I told him like the demi lich, the gag skull, the you know. And he was like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm picking you, but if we do Friday, I can only do like either like the front of your forearm or like your inner bicep. But we could do Sunday and Monday instead, and I'll just take Friday off. Yeah. Because he doesn't usually come in Sundays and Mondays, and we could do more. And I was like. Okay, dope. And he's like, I think I could probably get like a whole arm in that time period. But I gave him no indication of the size of my arm. Right. Which he, he said in retrospect, like usually if he's actually like, if he's, if he's not like last minute booking and if he has someone booked, he'll like ask them to take a picture of their arm or ask them to, but he was like, Hey, just curious. Are you massive? Well, he, he, <laughs> he admitted to me in, in like the following two sessions, he was like, well, normally when somebody says, like, I have an arm clear of tattoos, if you had a tattoo, I would have asked for a picture because I wouldn't have had to know, like, how to get around it and whatever. But since it was an arm clear of tattoos, I wasn't really worried. But he actually ended up having, like, the next week, two more back-to-back openings. So I booked those. So it was, like, four sessions in total that stemmed off of me just being like, hey, uh, I'll come in on a Friday. <laughs> so it was kind of lucky. Do you think everybody else that was supposed to try and come in on that Friday got a message back from him like, 
Sorry, dude. Uh, your tattoo's not cool enough. I'm not doing it. I don't know. I, I really don't know how he, how he worked that out. He might have he might have just been like, "Hey, uh, somebody book before you, but like sign up on my you know because he, like he has like list yeah he or... has like his his books are open, so you can sign up for fall right now with him or whatever." So it was just it was a very weird tattoo experience because it was kind of like normally you have to book something this extensive like really far in advance and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it literally was like, hmm. Well, I've seen your stuff. You do really good big stuff, so I'll do the Sunday Monday. And then Sunday Monday passes, and he gets like halfway down my bicep, and he's like, "We're probably gonna need like two more sessions to do the rest of this arm." <laughs> Jeez, but it all worked out. It was very sore for several days, but it's it's kind of peeled now, so it's actually pretty comfortable. But besides that, I have been playing Nexomon, and I I believe I said that on one of the prior Zone of Truths, but what I'm doing now is, because my arm was so painful, <laughs> I hooked it up to the bed frame. I got one of those goosenecks for the Switch. Oh my god. So I could like play with my arm like down by my side mm-hmm. instead of like holding it up. So I would like now I can lay in bed and I have it like up here and I just play with my arms by my side. It's so much more comfortable. That's very funny. Griffin got me one though too and I put my Kindle in. Yeah, I got and now one. my Kindle does not fall on my face when I start to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a huge benefit, yeah. Yeah, they're actually really nice. I, I highly recommend one if you read electronically at night, but if you're just using a book it obviously won't strap into that, but uh, we're on the Zoe arc of One Piece now. Mm-hmm. Tis the last dubbed arc. Oh boy, what are you gonna do? Are so you going to subs? The, um, or are you gonna hold out? So the Whole Cake Island arc, which is after this, is supposed to be coming out shortly. And actually, the guy that voices uh, Lagoshi on B Stars voices the main like enemy turned friend in whole cake island arc so he (laughs) he posted a tiktok and i get one piece tiktoks all the time because i'm obsessed of course and so he's like voicing one of the main scenes from whole cake island because he's playing a character named katakuri and he's obsessed with donuts so he's like eating donuts and he's doing the doing the voice of the scene and then he's like oh by the way i'm playing katakuri and i got to do the whole dub like from my closet so i guess i guess toei has been pretty lenient with like the voice actors being able to do stuff from home oh for sure so they did they did whole kick island they recorded all of it during COVID. so it should be coming out soon which is exciting but after that i'll probably have to move to either the manga or subs watch subs man that's how you got to do it that's how i watch all my anime no Yes. No, I, we can't do that because the voices are very, very dissimilar. Mm-hmm. And so it's like some voices are going to go from deep to squeaky or the other way around. Like things are so off mm. to me. That's not going to be good. The issue mm. for me is I, I, I see what you're saying. Maybe if you had started with subs, right, then, it, right. would yeah, then it wouldn't be a problem. But switching halfway, it's just like this isn't the character that I'm used to. Well, the issue for me is they're actually not crazy different for a lot of the characters but my favorite character Frankie he's kind of like based off of Elvis and he has a very distinct Ace like, Ventura right? Ace Ventura Elvis yeah. both uh, Ace Ventura is also partly based off Elvis but he has a very distinct like deeper voice in the dub and in the sub his voice is the most annoying voice on the show mm. uh, so I don't want to ruin that character for myself that is understandable I see where you're coming from on that 
But yeah, that's uh, nothing real. Oh, I, I did want to say, um, I think she's in here. Corey ran me and a couple other folks through the first part of March of the Dead, which is Woo! the Book of the Dead adventure. And the Book of the Dead adventure, I believe, is like, you know, I mean, she did a great job condensing it because I think legitimately that would be played in like 12 hours. Right, right. Um, just based off of page count. But I got to play a summoner and I had a lot of mm-hmm. fun. And I yeah, was we, were, we were talking a little much, bit last night, yeah. Yeah, I was shocked by how much fun the summoner was. I went a little bit more into medicine, kind of like Haley had in the uh, It's Always Frosty and Irison session we played. But I went further into medicine, had a psychopomp, and the psychopomp Eidolon felt really strong in an all undead thing. So it was a ton of fun. Uh, and I'm, I think we're probably going to. We're all booked for a little while, but I think we're probably going to play again in August or something. But nice. I'm excited. It was, uh, it was a good group of folks. I like a summoner. Certainly not a class that you'd recommend to somebody who's just learning the game. It's pretty complicated. Yeah. But if you have a decent understanding of how it works and how the game mechanics work in general, like that's one that'll keep you interested. You always feel like you can do something. It's a lot of fun. I like it. Even when uh, I roll uh, <laughs> just, just dog shit for... Mo- several hours of gameplay in a row. Steve, this um, is like the way you've been rolling in Malevolence mm-hmm. really takes me back to before oh, HLP. Like to before Matumbe had so many skills and his skills were so good that you could they roll low matter, and it didn't yeah. really matter. It, it's very reminiscent of, of like early Matumbe when you would just roll straight ones. It's totally true. Last night, obviously can't give anything away. I'm not even going to say what episode we recorded, but it was one of the worst dry spells of rolls that I've ever had. Coming off of a couple combats of worst dry spells that I've ever had. Yeah, of rolls. It was four or five natural ones out of you. Yeah, don't which worry. Which I know you roll more with, as a summoner. But. Mm-hmm. I plan to put in the episode description of that particular one. Let's play the game of count how many natural ones are rolled. Yeah, I would like a to good know. drinking game yeah. for that episode. For I sure. would like to know. All right, anyway, we can move on from that nonsense. I've been up to some stuff lately, too. So one of my favorite bands in the world, I'm rocking a little bit of their merch today, of course, like normal. Beartooth just released a new song called Riptide, and it is... It's kind of not clear if that's going to be a a single that leads to a new record or whether it's a single by itself. They just kind of dropped. But it is the first time that Beartooth has ever recorded and put out a song that is positive. (laughs) I, I, I listened to an interview that the lead singer Caleb Shomo did where he talks about that and how all of Beartooth previous to this song basically has been about like his substance abuse issues and all of these negative emotions that he has and the struggles that he has. And now that he's turning a corner in his personal life and has given up alcohol and stuff, like he feels that he can write different types of music and it feels really good. So I'm very happy for him and the band and um, song fucking slaps. So uh, I'm very happy. It's good. Um, When we're seeing him in... Like what, the first week of August? Yeah, we're actually going to see Beartooth twice in like a week. Yeah. We're going up to see them in Cleveland in a few weeks. And then about a week or so later, they're playing their first headline show in Columbus, which is their hometown in years. So very excited for that. I don't know about the second time. It's on the calendar. I think it's on the calendar. I don't read the calendar looking at people's personal lives. I just read it to make sure episodes are fine. It's not personal lives. It's on the HOP calendar. You you. put all your personal live stuff on the calendar. I didn't know that that was going on the calendar. (laughs) But also, (laughs) Griffin, I live with you. (laughs) 
Listen, mm-hmm. Steve, Steve reaches out to me and he's like, you want to go to this concert? Without fail, every time, every time we're going to a concert and I'm always like, yeah, that's like four months away. Absolutely. And then I forget about it until yep. two weeks until the concert. I, I literally looked at the calendar this past week and was like, that's when I was asking the group, like, hey, are we still good to record Bestow Curse that day? Because like, mm-hmm. I see Beartooth concert. Yep. <laughs> yep. That Is that right? So anyway, calendar aside... <laughs> Very excited about the new single. I actually went out last week to visit my brother and his wife. They've got a place in Philadelphia. Got to see their new house. It was fantastic. My parents went up there, so it was great seeing them. We went to see a movie. We went to, we went to go see Top Gun Maverick. Movie fucking slapped. It was so away. good. It did. And, I, you know, I was, uh, I, I was worried. You know, it's a sequel 30 years later. Thought I was going to be in the danger zone, but I was in the danger zone in a good way. It's so fantastic. You don't really need to see or remember the first one at all. The action is so crisp. It looks great. I can't recommend it enough. It's just a good summer blockbuster movie in an age when I feel like those are going away and they're just all big superhero movies or nothing else. So I loved it. I thought it was so good. If it's still in theaters and you are on the fence, definitely go check it out. If not, Make sure you catch it when it's streaming. And then I played a board game for the first time, which is probably a bit of a surprise because it's about trains. I played Ticket to Ride. Yeah, I'm shocked that you hadn't played that. Never had played Ticket to Ride before. My brother had it. We played it as a family. It's fucking riot. It was so much Which version did you play? The original. We're in there in in the U.S. And you're just trying to... Is U.S. the original version? I thought the original was in Europe. Well... I could be wrong. The one one that just says Ticket to Ride on the box is the U.S. So... It's just fun, man. It's it's not too terribly difficult to, to pick up, and you're just connecting cities with trains. And what could be more fun than that? I won't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great board game. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And not it's a it's a good one to play with the family. There's not a huge learning curve, all ages, and yet like me who's in like the really hardcore math games that we play, like really enjoyed it. So that says that. Anyway. Let's actually move on to some content here. This is a review of ours. Original New York Hard Seltzer Pack. Griffin, I got a question for you. Sure. Do you do a good New York accent? Hey, yo, what are you doing over here? So that's a yes. Do you want to read that copy from the website with with that New York accent? Uh, sure. (laughs) Hey, come on, why drink a wannabe? Drink the original. Original New York seltzer revolutionized the soft drink industry in the 80s and aims to do the same to the hard seltzer industry today. They partnered up with Columbus, Ohio-based BrewDog USA to create an alcohol-infused version of the fizzy beverage that will give drinkers everywhere a classic with a spin and a side of nostalgia. At 5.5% ABV, 5 grams of sugar, and 130 calories. Hey, oh, what could be bad about that? Well done pulling through that massive run-on sentence at the end. <laughs> Felt like you were running out of gas a little bit. <laughs> I was waiting for punctuation. It wasn't coming. All right, so this is something I'm really excited about. Original New York Seltzer, I don't think does a hard seltzer version on their own. So they've done some sort of licensed partnership with local hero BrewDog to put out some seltzers. A couple of things notable here. Most seltzers that we try on this show and that are popular are usually in that four to five percent ABV. So this is just a hair above. Mm-hmm. They're usually also 
100 or less calories and they don't have any sugar in them. So this has a little bit of sugar, a little bit of, uh, higher on the calories, but I hope what that translates to is a, a better seltzer. You know, the famous on recent episodes, Astras are mm-hmm. also 130 calories and have sugar. Okay, so, so that, that's good. It's a, it's a good sign. Got a couple flavors here. We got black cherry, we got blueberry, we got peach, and we got raspberry. How are we gonna rate these seltzers, you might ask? Well, we're gonna rate them based on New York's contributions to American cultural, or American culture scale, nailed it. All right, so at the bottom, this is a one out of five. This is Netflix's Iron Fist series. And this is where we have the high production value in our live show, because right now you can see a still frame from Netflix's Iron Fist series, a bad show and an equally bad image. Next up, two out of five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. And on the screen, we have a painting of an infamous shot from that movie where you can see inside the actor's mask to a a screaming human inside. (laughs) Three is Pizza Rat. Everyone likes Pizza Rat. So on screen, naturally, we have a man cosplaying as Pizza Rat. (laughs) The most horrifying image we could find on the internet. (laughs) Four is, of course, Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is the of course. promotional image from the movie here, the theatrical poster where Jason is slashing through a classic I Heart NY uh, motif. I guess it's usually see that on a t-shirt or something. Yeah. And then of course, what's the number one contribution New York has made to American culture? It's of course the iconic phrase, I'm walking here. <laughs> so we have a gift from, uh, the movie that's from. <laughs> the movie that's from. <laughs> a gift of a man almost being hit by a taxi. Yeah, that one. All right. Uh, you ever been to New York, Griffin? I've been in New York several times. Yeah. My family used to go to Manhattan like once-ish a year. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of... It's an experience going there around Christmas time. I'll say that. They certainly do it up in the big kind of areas of the city a lot of hallmark movies set there around yeah. that time of year yep i've seen uh seen the rockettes there oh uh, that's fun you know, rockefeller plaza and that kind of thing city smells like piss so yeah. i've heard yeah like pretty pretty distinctly in most of it do you think any of that's going to come through the seltzers today <laughs> it would be regrettable if it did <laughs> as for myself The only time I've ever been to New York City was uh, running through LaGuardia Airport for a connection. So I have absolutely no idea if the city smells like piss or not. I'll just have to take your word on that. Let's go ahead and try one of these. What do you think? Sure. Let's start with Black Cherry. You know, this is kind of a staple of the seltzer game. Staple of the seltzer game. I don't think uh, it's necessarily anyone's favorite flavor. Agreed. Not my favorite. Okay. Griff, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly what I feared. It's got it, the same weird taste the platform seltzers had. Uh, that, oh, that like weird. Sure. Um, I don't know if it's because it's like brewed in a brewery or something, but not entirely pleasant. That flavor. It's like really sweet. Yeah. Without like that bad taste. It almost tastes like a black cherry, like ice cream or something. Sure. Sure. I think for what it's worth, the black cherry part of this seltzer is a good black cherry flavor. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes black cherry goes wrong in that it's like 
too sour and too medicinal. I think the black cherry flavoring here is good, but I also taste what you're tasting there, that sometimes these these bigger or more craft breweries get in the seltzer game and there's just a weird flavor to it. Ah, that's tough. I'm on the verge of a pizza rat, but I think that's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 secret of the ooze. Yeah, uh, I'll think I, I actually will give it a pizza rat. Mm-hmm. It tastes just like black cherry ice cream to me. Okay. Without that weird taste at the front. And I can kind of get over that weird taste at the front because the black cherry is all on the back. Sure. All right, well, let's move on to our next one here. We're going to do another staple, or seems like it's kind of on the come up flavor, raspberry. Mm, raspberry. You want to start that off, Griff? I'll start off with raspberry. Hey, yo. Oh, it's got the same kind of smell. <laughs> yep. Tastes the same with minor flavor variations. Yeah, it at least does have the um, the tartness of a raspberry mm-hmm. versus the black cherry. <laughs> I, I like it worse than the black cherry one. So I'm, I'm giving it a secret to the use. Yeah. And for people at home, that's, of course, Teenage two, Mutant and a yeah. Turtles 2 secrets of the use. Uh, tough one for me. I also, just like the last one, I'm right on the verge here. I think I'm going to reach for this one just a little bit more often than I would the black cherry. I'm going to throw a pizza rat on there. And not just because I want to see that frightening image on screen. (laughs) You know, as I'm realizing kind of halfway through, if they're Mm -hmm. all going to have that bad brewery flavor, it's going to be really hard to do much better than a pizza rat. Yeah. So... Here's hoping one of them knocks my socks off. But Well, I think this is this is their opportunity to shine here because we had the two pretty normal flavors out of the way. You don't see a lot of peach or blueberry flavors. So I'm saving blueberry for last because that's the one that I think has yeah, the most potential. That's the one I was really hoping. Let's try peach. Really, uh, that flavor really gets up in your sinuses, huh? Yeah, that's, a, that's a peachy-o forward peach. Mm-hmm. God, I've had like peach vodka that tastes similar. <laughs> it tastes less of the weird brewery yeah. flavor in that. I'm going to go pizza rat on that. I'm okay with it. As a pizza rat for me too. That's just fine. I don't know. I don't detest it, but I think I'm not, this, I'm not reaching for that very often. The saving grace, I think for all of these so far is they're just going to get me drunk faster with the five. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's true. It's like a white cloth surge. Uh, these are far and away better than a White Claw Surge. Yeah, but like you got to measure that with White Claw Surge are also 2% higher. That's true. So like on the get you fucked up flavor scale, they're probably on the same line. Yeah, you could race through a, a White Claw Surge and, and be good. Keep drinking those the rest of the night once you can't really taste anything. Looks like you're reaching for that blueberry. Let's kick that one off. He's going back in for a second. So again, either a very good thing or a very bad thing. My turn to try now. Okay. Yeah, for me, that's the best of the bunch. Easily. Uh, I'm going to give that a Friday the 13th. Jason goes to Manhattan or whatever. Yes. <laughs> I will also is. give this a Friday the 13th part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. Takes Manhattan. That was pretty pleasant. It doesn't knock my socks off. I can't give it the I'm walking here. No, none of these were walking. No, here. none of them are walking here. But that was the best one. Yeah. And I think kind of the most inoffensive one like that came and went for me pretty quick yeah honestly this pack is a solid three solid middle of the road pack would i buy it over pretty much anything that doesn't have that weird brewery taste uh no 
Yeah, this is one I'd feather in like once a fiscal quarter just to change it up. Yeah. If I got sick of something else. My last question here, and I think I might know the answer to this. You know, if these were really good, I would assume that you could drink these in a New York minute. <laughs> Do you think you could drink these in a New York minute? I think it's going to be more like a rush hour. Oh, sure. So slower. So slower. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, we're jammed up on the Brooklyn Bridge with this one. And that's everything I know about New York. So <laughs> I think that's the end of that segment. Well, how do you want to break these up? Yes, we do need to break these up. Because obviously whoever gets blueberry. Well, honestly, I mean, like we both kind of fell. Like, I think I, w- I would take the black cherry and you take the raspberry. Uh, raspberry. Cool with that. Okay, I've got the raspberry in front of me. And you know what? Just looking for my peach out here. I'll take that peach. And then, yeah, there's the blueberry. Let's get to work on these bad boys. Here we go. It's time for a fan favorite segment. This is the one you all voted on for today. We're doing Griffin's God Complex. So this is where we look at a Pathfinder deity, look at their inspiration from the real world stuff that makes them. Then we digest what makes them them in Pathfinder and then look at the stat block if one's available. So today we're looking at the Black Butterfly. I don't know too terribly much about this deity inside Pathfinder, but I did do a little bit of research outside of the Galarian setting, and I don't know that there's a one-to-one relationship between a god that people worshipped in real life to the Black Butterfly as we know her or, or them in the Pathfinder setting. But I do think there's something that's quite close. And then there's a whole bunch of spiritual stuff as well that I'd like to talk about. So generally, and I went to a lot of like wild spiritual websites for this one. Lots of poor formatting and crazy font choices and bad grammar. Um, You know, the usual, you know. So when you're talking about a black butterfly, a lot of people consider them to be a symbol of misfortune or an omen of death. To contrast though, some folks consider them a sign of impending positive change or the need to make a positive change in your life. Generally, they symbolize transition, renewal, or death. That basically summarizes them up. The death motif normally came from cultures in Central America, the Philippines, and Chinese folklore. Common among these cultures, if a black butterfly enters your house, that either means that someone close to you recently has died, is ill, or will die soon. But that being said, there are also indicators of death of abstract things as well, like a relationship or a career. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty nebulous. But the god that I found that most Uh, most closely parallels the Black Butterfly in Pathfinder is one from Aztec mythology. And I I looked up how to pronounce this this morning. If I don't nail it, I apologize. But this is the god. It's Papatol or it's Popolot. Yeah, I fucked that up. It looks like it's Papalotl. Yes, I think the L in the very end is silent. Or at least that's what the YouTube video I watched told me. Yes. This being was a goddess of war, fire, and infant mortality, 
commonly known as the obsidian butterfly, which is a name I love. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Or the clawed butterfly. Historians that look at this folklore often disagree whether this means that the goddess was more closely related to an actual black butterfly or a bat, which was sometimes referred to as a clawed butterfly because they fly around and they got claws. She was described as skeletal and the ruler of a plane or a land or a realm called Tamuanchen, which is the birthplace of humanity and a paradise realm, like an afterlife for victims of infant mortality. So you died too early. Its popolant is described in historical texts as being linked to moths, deer, and black butterflies. It's thought that she blends in to cultures. You know, she walks among us, impersonating various forms of beasts and insects. But her true form is one of, and I, again, this is another word that I'm probably going to butcher, Zitsamini? These are star demons that threaten to devour people during solar eclipses. Huh. Very cool. She can appear in the form of a beautiful, seductive woman or terrible goddess with a skeletal head and butterfly wings supplied with stone blades on the outside of the wings. She's sometimes represented with flowing hair and holding a leg like a trophy. And the leg or even more specifically, the femur bone is thought by some scholars to have significance as a war trophy or a sacred object in pre-Hispanic art. If you would like to see her in modern pop culture, she is the main antagonist in No One Gets Out Alive, a movie that's on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but it's pretty mediocrely reviewed, so I'll probably watch it eventually. (laughs) In Irish and Celtic myth, black butterflies are the spirits of deceased people that are coming to visit relatives. Popular theory holds that when people die and fail to discover the afterlife, so if you don't quite make it, they reincarnate as a black butterfly. In doing so, they can go and, and visit you or the places where they previously resided when they were living. Now we're going to get into some of the more spiritual interpretations, these kind of whack websites that I was talking about earlier. So spiritual folks say that since many black butterfly species are endangered, it's a hopeful sign to see one sort of a blessing and an indicator that this is a special moment. This is a good opportunity to rediscover what is truly unique about you. Quite at odds with the death or souls of the departed motifs, but they also, like some of these uh, ancient cultures, ascribe a black butterfly to potentially be a dead relative coming to check up on you. There's also some merit to be said for the lifespan of a butterfly. A black butterfly usually lives about 30 days. So seeing this butterfly can be a spiritual reminder that life is short, precious, and not to be taken for granted. And this is this is the real wild one. And I'm just going to read this one verbatim from the website that I got from. You're a transmuter of negative energy or there's negative energy in your life that needs healing. You're a generational healer here to break a karmic cycle that has run through your family's lineage for quite some time. In this scenario, seeing a black butterfly is a reminder of your strength, your courage, and innate healing abilities. You have a rare and intuitive gift of transmuting the dark into the light, the yin into the yang. You're likely going through or have been going through a tough time recently. That's more like the palm reader. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Version of a black butterfly. It's like, oh. Uh, you have a palm like this? Your ancestors were Vikings. <laughs> yes, and you uh, are a transmuter of negative energy. transmuter of, of negative of energy. If you see multiple or exceptionally large black butterflies, that's a reinforcement of the message. Although, of course, 
the message is quite vague because it can be interpreted many, many different ways. But if you come across a dead black butterfly, then it can signal a mortal danger to a loved one. So I, I don't know what you do with that information, uh, but tell your loved ones to be careful if you see a black butterfly. <laughs> Whoa, nobody leave the house. And dead black butterflies. Yes, nobody leave the house. <laughs> and then finally... Black Butterfly is also the title of a 2017 film starring Antonio Banderas that bombed at the box office. So uh, that's that. That is pretty much everything that I could find about the Black Butterfly. The Black Butterfly is what you wanted to talk about today, Griffin. And when you sent that to me, I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anything. And I actually really enjoyed this research. I was shocked was by the amount really of stuff I did find. Me too. That's uh, <laughs> it's a wild. I mean, a Black Butterfly is certainly a symbolic. Mm-hmm. It is kind of weird, like a, a deity called the Black Butterfly, you know? Yeah, there was a hair of cosmic stuff in there, but not enough that I could say that this was definitively a one-for-one parallel. Yeah. And on that note, would you like to talk to us about the Pathfinder deity, the Black sure. Butterfly? Yeah, the Black Butterfly is an Imperial Lord. They're an Azada, so the chaotic good, almost animal kin planar entities. Yeah. Some of the Imperial Lords are Azadas, but Imperial Lords kind of span the gamut of good aligned extra planar beings that have risen to divinity and are all demigods. The Black Butterfly teaches that in the silence between breaths and thoughts, one's true nature can be seen. She's known as the silence between and Desna's shadow and lives in the same realm as Desna on the way up to Sinosure, which is the North Star and Desna's domain, Desna created a staircase, and the staircase is known as the Stair of Stars. And the Black Butterfly lives like kind of Harry Potter-esque, like in the cupboard under the stairs. She lives in the void and the lack of stars created uh, underneath that Stair of Stars. Um, she's concerned with distance, silence, and space. And it's actually interesting, a lot of her worshippers are deaf or mute, parted lovers, those vowed to isolation, and those vowed to silence, uh, also explorers. She is over the domains of chaos, good, liberation, and void, and uh, Azada, freedom, revolution, and stars like Desna. Her favorite weapon is a star knife, and her symbol is a black butterfly with a star, sacred animal butterfly, uh, and black and silver or her sacred colors. It's believed that the Black Butterfly was created by Desna, but it was an accident. So when Desna was placing all of the stars in the sky, she just so happened to create a pattern that when she completed it, manifested the Black Butterfly. It was like a Ooh. constellation that came to life. And now she kind of, again, she's known as Desna's shadow, and she kind of looks like a version of that. Like she looks like the outline of a woman. You can make out kind of the parallels to Desna's appearance with the black butterfly. She's like a silhouette of a woman with white hair and eyes, and her wings contain images of planets, stars, and galaxies. Notably, one of the stars within her wings is known as Void Sage, and that is her star knife, her deific star knife, Ooh. which we'll get to in her stat block, but is like, you know, an artifact level. Her item. star knife is like an actual star. It's an actual star. Hell yeah, yeah, that's so cool. The Black Butterfly 
is basically against all forms of evil, but is particularly opposed to the malevolent forces within the Dark Tapestry. So she is like the good benefactor of the void and the space between stars, whereas the old gods and like the elder gods and that kind of stuff are also in the dark tapestry, but are kind of a chaotic and evil presence there. So she opposes them. She also has basically the most knowledge of the secrets of the dark tapestry of any good aligned creature. Obviously something like an Azathoth Mm -hmm. would know more about the dark tapestry, but is like an insane sleeper (laughs) dreamer. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't share that information. The followers of the Black Butterfly are, again, th- these um, people that live lives of silence a lot of times, but big sect of her church. And why I like talking about her is her and Desna have uh, pockets of worship in Nadal, and they directly oppose Zonkathan mm-hmm. there. So. I actually played a character that I've talked about a lot of times on this show, uh, an Inquisitor of the Black Butterfly to level 20. A little cameo in an evil interlude, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the evil interlude. And it's an interesting deity because, like, it's concerned with freedom, but it's also this, like, void. And kind of, you know, you can string that into, like, a loss. Like, some of her worshippers are, like, separated from those they love and that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, or, it's, or it's like, like freedom under the guise or, or through the lens of nothingness. Right. Where there is nothing, there are no strings attached. Yeah. Which is like, is that a good freedom? Like that's, yeah, you can play with that really well. Her most obedient followers perform an anonymous charitable act each day in order to foster the perception that good things sometimes happen to one just because one deserves it. If the beneficiary is seen or spoken to, the follower must spend an hour blindfolded while praying. <laughs> Uh, then tithes to a temple of the black butterfly or other good god. Much that comes from worshipping Desna is also used in worshipping the black butterfly. They are truly parallels of one another, and so a lot of Desnan worshippers also worship the black butterfly and vice versa, which is why my character often would pray to Desna, even though he was an inquisitor of the black butterfly. Yeah. But that's what she is. But she's also statted. Talk to me about this, because when we sat down to get recording, you were very excited about this creature. Yeah, I think this is <laughs> this is a CR-28 that earns the CR-28. So this living silhouette of a graceful woman has white hair and eyes. Her butterfly wings shimmer with twinkling stars. She's a chaotic, good, large outsider. Again, Azada. She has... Um, Plus 19 initiative, respectable. Blind sense, dark vision. Detect aberration, evil law at will, or constant rather. The sea and darkness monster special abilities, so she can't be hampered by magical darkness. A plus true seeing and a plus 50 perception. She's got a 46 AC, 34 touch, 31 flat footed, like almost 700 hit points with regeneration 30, uh, which can only be bypassed by another deity or mythic. Her saves are real high. Fortitude 26, Reflex 33, Will 28, uh, plus eight versus mind affecting. She's got constantly freedom of movement, mind blank. (laughs) Mm. So she just mind blanks you. She's got DR20, Epic and Evil. 
So it has to be mythic evil yep. to bypass the damage reduction. Granted, there's no reason she would fight good aligned characters, really. She's immune to ability damage, ability drain, charm effects, cold, compulsion, death effects, electricity, energy drain, and petrification resists fire and sonic 30 and has 39 spell resistance. She's got 150 feet perfect fly speed. Let's talk about some of this, these ridiculous spell-like abilities that she just has. At will, can break enchantment, cast deeper darkness, dimensional anchor, greater dispel magic, haste, holy smite, and holy word, interplanetary teleport, and wandering star modes. Three times per day, she's got anti-magic field, quickened heal, reverse gravity, quickened wandering star modes, and once per day, she can cast gate implosion, mage's disjunction, moment of prescience, and time stop. Gate implosion? Or is it gate, gate comma, implosion? comma implosion? I was about to say, what the fuck is gate implosion? And then uh, pretty much every spell, if she's in a void, she can cast mythic. Oh, sure. When you say in a void, you mean like in outer space? In the void, yeah. yeah in her realm, basically. So in the void of space. She's got 28 strength, 40 dex, 40 con, 27 intelligence, 30 wisdom, and 33 charisma. A ton of, I mean, like 30 feats. <laughs> so her special abilities, she's got celestial grace, so she adds her dex instead of her strength to damage rolls with melee and range weapons. And she gets an insight bonus to her AC equal to her wisdom modifier. She ignores any effect that would reduce her movement speed or prevent her from taking a five foot step. So you just can't stop her from doing that. Uh, she's got interstellar mastery, which equates to basically having Ranger's favored enemy and favored terrain in her domain, but as a sacred bonuses, the Ranger's favored terrain is at a plus 10 bonus. Okay. She's got a primal aura, so no sound can pass through her aura. It's a 30-foot aura, except those she allows, and even then she can choose to block a sound in some portions of her aura while allowing it to pass through other portions. It functions similarly to silence. It's suppressed whenever uh, she's affected by a vision-based effect created by an evil creature, but it's like silence, but the best version of it where mm -hmm. none of your allies are impacted by it and all of your enemies are impacted by it. It rocks. He's got an ability called the silence between when the black butterfly takes a five foot step instead of moving five feet, she can ride the spaces in between breaths and thoughts disappearing and rematerializing anywhere within 150 feet and attempting a stealth check to hide as a free action. She can hide even when being directly observed and her stealth can defeat any sense, for example, blind sight, life sense, and tremor sense, as long as the result of the check exceeds the result of the observer's perception check. She gains an additional plus 20 bonus on stealth checks which doesn't stack with the bonuses from invisibility, and she can't be outlined by spells like Fairy Fire or Glitter Dust. If she's hidden when she begins a full attack, any creature that wasn't observing her is denied their dex bonus to AC against all attacks in the full attack, not just the first attack. And she loses access to this if she gets brought into an area of bright light. But let's just... Let's That's just awesome. Let's just check that stealth. That's a plus 53 stealth without that bonus. <laughs> so she's rolling at a plus 73 against your um if she's moving if she's still she's rolling at a plus 93 against your perception My so she's basically God. In effectively invisible using this ability she's got starflight so she can use interplanetary teleport at will she enjoys flying between the stars 
She can steal breath, so her touch attack deals 10d6 points of cold damage and draws the breath from the target's lungs as she subjects the creature to the racking conditions of deep space. The creature struck can resist having its breath drawn out with a successful DC 37 fortitude save. Otherwise, the target is knocked unconscious by the sudden lack of oxygen. Steel breath does not harm creatures that do not breathe, but her touch attack can still deal the cold damage. So just DC 37 fortitude or go unconscious for every attack Christ Uh, and then she's got this bond with her star that is Mm -hmm. her weapon so Void Sesh is a plus five aberration bane ghost touch holy star knife that exists as one of the stars in her wings until she calls it to her hand as a free action when she throws Void Sesh it returns to her hand instantly upon striking a target allowing her to make iterative thrown attacks her range increment is 120 feet and attacks with Void Sedge deal an additional 2d6 points of fire damage and 2d6 points of cold damage on a hit when the Black Butterfly wields the weapon. This weapon, when she attacks with this fucking thing, she gets four attacks, and she's at like a plus 52, X3 critical, 19 to 20 crit range, 1d6 plus 20 plus 2d6 fire and 2d6 cold. I mean, she's got so many other things. She doesn't have to attack you in melee, but like... Fuck. But if she does, she's definitely she hold her own. Yeah. yeah, she's definitely hidden to you. The only thing I'm surprised by is they didn't give her like sneak attack or something because she's constantly going to be hidden to you. But there's no way she misses characters when they're denied their decks and unaware of her, mm-hmm. which she almost always will be. Uh, this is a really cool stat block. It is very cool. Very thematic. I feel like it's one of those where you're never going to see it. Mm-hmm. Like there's just trying to come up with a reason why you would fight the black butterfly outside of an evil campaign is pretty difficult, <laughs> but God, it's a, it's just a fun stat block. There was some stuff that I would really like to see this versus maybe a beefed up Haster mm-hmm. stat block because there was a lot of like void similarity between the two. Um, but I just think the black butterfly is certainly earning that CR 28. That's, the defensive abilities alone are like impossible to overcome. Now I have a question that was kind of indirectly asked. Sure. Yeah. So Chris has said, let me solo her. And Corey has backed that up with let Chris solo her. So how quickly would he go down and how would he go down? Because it depends what he's go well. soloing her with. I think himself. Oh, himself? He yeah, Chris. He would, he would die immediately because <laughs> the black butterfly lives in the void of space. Okay. And can make you experience the void of space. So, like. He said, commoner one stat block. You, have you seen those scenes where, like, somebody gets a leak in their spacesuit helmet and, like, their head just goes? Yeah. Oh, that's foul. That, that yeah. would be instantaneous, What would is what would happen. Okay. Before he actually fights her, he just dies to environment. Well, no, I mean, like, even if she fought him just, like, on the ground. Oh, like gotcha. that's like she just touch him and that's what happened. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's like just the passive effect of her touch. Yeah. If you don't die immediately from the massive amount of cold damage, you're definitely unconscious and then it's game over. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Anything else you want to uh, share, Griff, before we move on to uh, a, l- a little bit of talking? No, the only thing I would say is like, I, I really would love if Paizo's not going to do it, like somebody to do 
on Infinite or something, like flesh out these Imperial Lords because they're so cool and like none of them gets more than like a half page in any deity book. Specifically, this one I think would be a great candidate to really expand out deep in the Starfinder universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if there is a like like uh inner sea gods for Starfinder book, or even if it's a back matter of some AP. I mean, come on, like she uses a star as an actual weapon and is a constellation turned God. Like that's got Starfinder written all over Literally it. the God of when you are in your starship flying between system and system, yes. the God of what you are flying through. Yes. Make it happen. Okay. <laughs> so last thing we need to talk to before we move into our question segment is something quite impactful happened on the HOP lately. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Freya died. Yeah. And when that happened, you know, we've had some character deaths recently, right? Uh, Quinley went down a few times, Breath of Life, all that fun stuff. When that happened, I, for one, thought, okay, what's the big deal? Sure, we had the death sequence from Emily, and it was very touching. But clearly, we were just going to gather up her body and bring her back to Caliphast and resurrect her. It was going to be like it never happened. Maybe you were going to throw something in that winery place or or make it like the we tripped a, an alarm or more guard there would have been a penalty is what i'm trying to say yeah. of course there would be for wasting the time to go back and resurrect her but at the end of the day she was going to rejoin the party but then episode 205 happened and we forgot who freya was as she disappeared from existence kind of yeah so griff i got a couple questions for you you encouraged us to explore this room before leaving. Were you baiting us into this situation? Uh, it was either going to happen in the room or on your way outside. So situation was happening either way. Gotcha. So one of the things that I wanted to clarify for the folks listening is, can we get a little bit of a recap of this demon's wish ability mechanically and how it was used in this situation? Yeah, mechanically once per month, it can grant a wish but the wish cannot be its own wish. It has to grant a mortal's wish, mm-hmm. but it has I believe the ability is called dubious wishcraft, which is similar to dubious math, <laughs> um, which is basically that the Galbrezu determines the worst way that that wish could work out for the person that wished it. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, the most dangerous way that that wish could play out while still making Freya alive without like going into the like monkey's paw like oh she doesn't come back the same or whatever was to make her like she comes back but the party never knew her right kind of like unwrite and rewrite reality Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense to me obviously this creature is on the premises What would have happened if Freya didn't die and we just came up against this thing, you know, full party? Did you have uh, a different or similar wish planned? And how would that played out? I was going to try and goad you guys into making a wish, certainly. Did Um, you have an idea what that might be? Not really. I was kind of going to play it by ear, you know, because I think a lot of that has to be based off of like what you guys talk about in the conversation in order for me to because either way you're going to come up against this guy and he seems like a stable hand 
Yep. So I need to use what you guys talk to him about as potential for him to be like, well, I bet you wish like that wasn't the case or whatever to trick you. I was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm going to make this really bad if it's like, if you wish something like, I wish, you know, I wish we got rid of Turner or something. I was going to make it like sufficiently bad. Like, (laughs) yeah, you did, but you know. Turner disappears and somebody more powerful takes his place. Yeah, exactly. You said people were going to be mad at you for this one. You're right. Yeah. So I told Emily going into this episode, because you guys were all very sure that you were going to bring Freya back. Mm -hmm. And I said, it was maybe the day before. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm probably not going to have you bring in a backup character this next episode, because I know you want to play Freya, but there is a non-zero chance that you will not be able to play Freya again. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know that it's going to entirely depend on the rest of the group and not you. So you just have to trust me that it's going to work out story-wise. And I think for the story, I mean, you guys will see uh, in the next couple of episodes, it plays out in a really interesting way. Yes. Notably, I think we left off on a cliffhanger. I don't even think the battle's done, so we can't talk about anything that happens after that, although we have several episodes recorded. But the way that this shakes out is quite interesting. I liked it. I think there's one school of thought where late game you don't resurrect your friends, and there's another school of thought where late game you just resurrect everybody that dies, and the party that you have in book four is the party that's going to finish book six. And this was quite a surprise for me in that we... Neither of those things happened, right? Yeah. It's not like we left her to die and and Emily came in saying that I I wanted to play a new character or I'm going to let Freya go and bring Lyra back or something like that. This is quite unique. So that's why I thought even though the situation hasn't quite finished itself up, it was was worth at least talking about in this point in time. Yeah, at least what the listeners have listened to right now is like super bittersweet. Hmm. Yeah. Which was the intention, because I think if you're going to do what I just did and like take a character away at the end of book five, it's got to be a more permanent reason than death. Yes. It's heavy. Yeah, it only gets heavier. Can't wait for book six. Um, you know what? I'll ask you now, and maybe there's not a true answer to this question, but how close do you think we are to the end of book five? Um... You know, give or take an episode or two. As of, or, as of 205 or as of uh, 208, which we just recorded? I guess as of 208, because clearly we're not done with the book. Yeah, I think as of 208, you have at most 10 episodes left. And okay. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if we stretch it that long, but you know about like how long the combat you just got into potentially is going to take. So maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. There's some really really interesting fights that go down in this abbey but there's not a ton of them okay well i and and this is kind of definitively then the final dungeon absolutely yeah all right i'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out i'm very excited to see the community's reaction to how this situation we've been talking about plays out, because I, I in particular have liked it quite a bit, although it is quite bittersweet. But at this time, I think we are starting to transition to the listener question segment of our show, live show here. Haley, what do you got for us? 
All right. So I have a few questions. I have a couple specific to the deity stuff. So we'll start with that. Sure. So Eric, uh, Ted Lawn Gnomes, right? He asked, if you were a deity, what would be your favorite weapon? And how would your specific version look and function? Ooh. Hmm. It depends. If we're talking Starfinder, which I know we usually don't, but Black Butterfly had me going. I'm a big fan of, I think it's like the M79 blooper or thumper grenade launcher. Just basically a big, thick, one barrel shotgun that blasts out a giant grenade. Love that. To do like a sci-fi version of that where it breaks open and you put in the new shell and crack it back together. I would love that. I don't know how that thematically ties into my personality at all, but I think it's cool. You could bring the same thing to Pathfinder, though. I don't know any deities that have, like, an alchemical bomb as their favorite weapon. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm 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 the bomb dude now. The bomb god. Yeah. Bomb god. Call him the bomb pup. Yep. I'm not a chemist. I don't know anything about alchemy. <laughs> But uh, I, if I'm if I'm a god, I just do it magically. So that solves all my problems. Yeah, there you go. Is magic. Yeah. Did you answer the like? What does it look like for you? Or function like for you? Uh, I think it functions similar to an M79 thumper grenade launcher. Okay. Um, <laughs> it functions exactly as the on the tin. Yeah, and you know what? It looks like that too. <laughs> um. Hmm. Creativity running rampant. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I like the idea of I have a real answer too, but go okay. ahead. I like the idea of like a like a hammer. I think some oh, sure. kinda some kind of like like a Diego like Mauler Earthbreaker thing would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um mine would be full of like coals. Okay. So like it would be like old King Cole, where it's like it's heated, so it like smokes and like it's it it like rattles because it's like charcoal inside. Mm-hmm but it's like a big metal chassis. And then it have a little door on the side and I cook stuff in it. Oh, I like that a lot. And my real Pathfinder answer is that I'd kind of like recreate the the saw sword that I have described. Oh, like saw the sawback blade? Yeah, the giant great sword that he uses in one hand that has the sawback in it. And then on me, a, a slight framed tall skinny man it would look kind of like how Amiri has her sword, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's like absolutely massive and dwarfs her actual body. And I love the imagery of, I've described this a couple times, of Saw like plunging that into a person and pulling it back out and the Saw back pulls a whole bunch of viscera out of it. I think that's awesome. When he uses it and goes into rage, it gets better like it has that whatever that like raging property or something like that Mm -hmm. would be um how do i tie that into my personality maybe when i'm a real bad boy it does more damage Uh, or something extra bad boy damage yeah bad boy damage i'll stat that out later okay uh what else do you got Haley? Corey has asked what other deity do you think should have a shadow Ooh, i think abadar should have a shadow because the because corporations and civilization has a dark underbelly, and uh, we already know like people portray Abadar poorly because of the way that Abadar uh, interacts with the world. But I think you could take that to the extreme with Abadar's shadow and kind of play off of like the god of like corporate greed and the god of like the god of society's excess and that kind of thing. 
and that would be like the dark side of civilization. I like that a lot. We've talked on this specific show before about having a counterpart to uh, to Gazra that is still about weather phenomena and storms and that kind of stuff, but instead of nature's renewal, it is kind of perverted and twisted into this like climate change, pollution slash storms bringing destruction as opposed to renewal version. So like a, like an evil nature, I, I would say, uh, or e- evil natural events, I think would be an awesome counterpoint to Gazra, even though Gazra isn't good, but is part of the natural way of things, whereas the shadow would be the same means to a different end, I guess. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, it's terrible. It's what's happening to Earth today, but, you know, uh, yeah. it works in Pathfinder, too. The only other thing I like is the idea of, like, a uh, Peter Pan-esque shadow on, like, Kate and Callion. Oh, like I a think small that, child? Well, no, 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 but, like, just the way, like, Peter Pan's shadow, like, acts independently and is, like, playing tricks on, on him and that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like that mm-hmm. works really well for a god like Caden Callion that was a human. I thought you were going to say he was a teetotaler. Oh no! No, no, no. like this. Sha- like, I know. I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, uh, the black butterfly isn't the opposite of Desna. So, like, so like the shadow doesn't have to be the opposite. But I just but think the shadow like could be like a little. I think, yeah, I think I think like the shadow them. would yeah. be more like uh, would be more like playing like the playing trick side of like getting drunk and that kind of thing. Like less so the liberation and freedom, and more like the like playing pranks and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. That's fun. That's like the uh, the god of like college drinking, as <laughs> god a, of college, as drink. opposed to like Caden Kalian is the god of like young twenties drinking. <laughs> All right, yeah, hey. we got Caden <laughs> Kalian is more like the god of ale and wine. His shadow is the god of dark <laughs> liquor. <laughs> yeah, shadow is the god of dark liquor and like dollar bombs. Dollar bombs. That's what I thought your god was, the dollar bomb god. Ooh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that'll, that'll be one of my domains, dollar bombs. <laughs> Deific obedience. Go to a bar and buy a tray of dollar bombs. Take hey. them all in one city. Hey. Or give Been them there. to everybody. I think that's another thing. That would be a buy the dollar bombs and pick out some of the already drunkest and give it to them. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the, the people that really shouldn't take another one, but you know will. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, the other questions that we have are um, not deity specific and are kind of more fun. This was kind of a combo from Eric and Corey. So uh, Eric has said, pick three seltzers to veto from ever being included in a seltzer d- draft. And then Corey followed that up. But if you only had one veto, what would it be? Or mm. I guess only one veto per brand, maybe. Mm, a lot of brands. There's a lot of brands. I think it's only one veto would be hard mode. <laughs> That's so tough because there's so many shitty seltzers. Yeah, I don't think we would include them in a draft, so this is like a throwaway answer, and I'll give a more draft-focused one. But I would veto any of those Warheads seltzers in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. That's a real easy one. It's it's hard because there's four of them. Mm-hmm. You'd only get three of them. But uh, well, maybe we'll just make this this answer a pack instead. The Warheads pack, I think, is an easy veto. Veto. Um, and that is what Corey was trying to avoid. Yeah, that's what I that's what I figured. So that's that's not my actual answer. Mm-hmm. I think I would. Um, Do you, you think know, it's that we don't, Bud Light after work one? Uh, that that one did suck, but yeah. uh, I thought the I, Corona pack was really bad too. You know what? I'm gonna that last time. I'm gonna throw mine out there. 
a pack that it came out recently that we have not reviewed on the show was the White Claw Refreshers. They are twists on lemonades and they are god awful. They're so fucking tart and sweet. <laughs> They're really trash. And I definitely could see us doing a future version of the Seltzer Draft that has a lemonade specific column yeah. mm-hmm. or bracket because there are so many of those today. Get rid of those White Claw Refreshers. They suck. They're not good. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair answer. God, this is tough for me because, like, if it's a pack, I don't know that there's a pack that I, like, unanimously hated so it's much. It's supposed to be one veto per brand, and she did clarify that that was specifically so that it wasn't all the Warheads or mm. all the Limes. Yeah, um... There's too many brands. Yeah, there's a lot of brands. That's that becomes difficult. Uh, oh shit! I think there was something that I just like. Oh, I Bud Light I, lime margarita. Fucking dog yeah, shit. that one. That one's really bad. I would veto the platform ones. Honestly, ooh yeah, uh, I really dislike yeah. those. I know we haven't done those on air, but like they were this, but with that brewery taste to the extreme to the detriment of like almost any flavor mm-hmm. uh i might remove the pack that we recently had the fun water i think i might oh. veto like some of those from the draft just because they were so nothing yeah that like part of the fun of the draft is like you have a good flavor and a really shitty flavor you get and, stuck like, with something you get stuck with something but like those fun waters just didn't taste like anything that's a really good answer they were so bland that would just be a waste of air time it's just, to it's include just a them. waste of a spot yeah. yeah it's just like it's it's almost like i want the draft to be more fun so i don't want the fun water in there sure <laughs> like i, 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 think I want the draft to have a higher and lower state perfectly valid answer griffin absolutely all right let's do a couple more questions then we have some fun housekeeping to do so maybe if there's two more haley there is only one question then we're gonna you know what haley let's do one more question okay that's fine, because there's only one more question, but two last jabs. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> is that legal? Is that legal? I don't know. They both made me giggle. All right, we'll, um, we'll do them both then. That's they're fine. both for Steve. Uh, Eric. Well, maybe maybe well, we would just do one. We'll maybe see. we'll Eric. just do one. <laughs> Eric asked, which anime has the best tournament arc? Ooh, I, I really think that My Hero Academia yeah, uh, that was tournament my arc was, is, is one of the best tournament arcs in in an anime you're talking i can't remember if they have the more than school, one the early one yeah, right the, the school um where deku blows through all his fingers yeah like yeah one yeah, yeah the, the, other. the yeah. ua where they have to fight each other like all the students have to fight each other i forget what it's actually called but that's like one of the greatest tournament arcs i've ever yeah. seen yeah the competition to get into like whether you're a class b class that whole thing no 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 that that one was the very first thing this was the one where like if you ranked high you could get an internship with a oh, good pro that one. yeah that's that yeah. one's fantastic that was really good because it wasn't just first years or whatever right so, it was like yeah. everybody mm-hmm. my hero academia was also the first thing that popped into my mind that show has really dropped off for me I, I don't watch it anymore but some of the early stuff was really, really golden. And that tournament arc stands out. It was fantastic. I, th- I think that anime does tournament arcs like really well. It does yeah. just like like power versus power things really well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that was our last question. So I guess, well, yeah, housekeeping comes first. So we have something very exciting to announce. 
10 teases before, but there is going to be a little bit of an update to uh, Patreon tiers, our, our reward structure. And before anybody gets worried, nothing's going away. Everything that you have today stays the same. $5 tiers, still the $5 tier, getting the show. $10 tiers, still the $10 tier, you're getting this live show plus Discorderly. We're just going to be adding to what we have. So more bang for the buck. We're not asking any more of anybody. We're not taking any benefits away. We're not rearranging things. So really nothing to be worried about. This is just an added benefit. And Griffin, this is kind of your brainchild. So do you want to uh, debut this for the folks? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is this isn't just a Patreon thing. This is kind of an effort for us to hang out with the community more. So this is what we're calling HLP Community Nights. Woo! And uh, it's our commitment to you that at least uh, once per month where uh, you can join the carrying crowd and members of the HLP as we get together as a community and hang out on these nights. We'll watch movies, play and stream video games and participate in other fun activities as a group. So this will be anything from a bad movie night to us playing uh, the monster dating sim to uh, us playing games of your choice, us playing stuff like Jackbox, getting you guys, the listeners involved. The way this factors into the Patreon is that patrons at the $10 tier and up will be able to vote on the activities we do each month and steer the direction of the community nights. So there will be a new poll that'll be showing up. And I think our first poll is going to show up next week for our August community night. But these polls will basically be like, we as a group are going to come together and say, hey, who wants to do what? Or who do we have ideas for community night? We're going to throw those all up on a poll and we're going to let you guys vote on what you want to participate in. In addition, $10 and up patrons are going to receive priority access when we play uh, any form of multiplayer game. So before we open slots to the rest of the community, it'll be open to you guys to join anything we play multiplayer, such as, you know, Jackbox games or other games. And you will receive control of the, uh, the music streaming in the Community Nights Discord channel big mistake but yep all right <laughs> i disagree with that griffin but that's that is what it is it is what it is they, they can they choose the music chaotic our listeners are hey if you pay me 10 bucks a month you can control the music oh this is gonna be chaotic so is this all in uh, discord dangerous. griffin so this will be mostly in discord and the hangout for the community nights it'll be a new channel and a new like a new voice and a new text channel. However, if we're playing video games or something, for instance, we might take that over to Twitch. So we kind of reserve the right to do that if we feel like it would be more fun on Twitch or whatever. But still, if it's on Twitch, people watching the Twitch can still hang out in the Discord and like play music alongside us or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. I know back during the pandemic, we used to do a lot of bad movie nights and that kind of thing. And that's kind of fallen off. So we wanted to make our commitment to you as a community to uh, to kind of bring some of that back and bring it back outside of like our drunken discorderly nights or whatever and open it up to everybody to participate in. So uh, we're pretty excited for it. Yeah, I'm stoked. I had a lot of fun doing that back in, geez, 2020, 2021. And really excited to be hanging out with folks again. And honestly, like, 
let you choose what we do, you know? Do you want to watch bad movies? Great. I love doing that. Do you want to watch us play games? Sure. I do that by myself already. Like, do you want to play with us? Okay. I'm willing to give that a shot. <laughs> but yeah, really excited. Really, really excited for this. I can't wait. August is right around the corner. Yeah. Keep an eye out for them polls. But uh, all of these details will be um, released on the Patreon this week. And so you'll get a little update tier benefits and these channels will be opened up on the discord next week as well. And finally the poll for August, the date of the August community night and the poll for what we do will be up on Patreon for $10 and up subscribers. Great. Any final comments or is it time to move into the final jabs? Keep in mind, after this, we're going to be heading on over to our Drunken Discordly channel for a little after show party, a little hangout. But we'll Haley, see if after these two jabs against you, if you I might like just partying. go home. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, the first one is, is rather small, okay. I guess. Yep. <laughs> um, so the first one is from uh, Eric, and he said that that god weapon that you chose, the gun specifically, mm -hmm. uh, final job is uh, Steve, one and done, confirmed. Okay, Eric, I'm going <laughs> to throw the water bottle and bath towel that you left at my place in the trash. <laughs> uh, next one. You just got uh, called a one-pump chump, bud. Sure. The next one is um, from Corey. But it's a big, big blast. Surprise. It's, a, it's big a big blast. blast. Oh, God. Uh, so this one's from Corey. Hypothetically, let's say Steve does get the Miri cut out mm -hmm. uh, someday. Who breaks first, him or her? I think Eric answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> Those work nicely together. <laughs> well, all right. That was that. Um, what a great episode of the Zone of Truth that we put together today. <laughs> See you all in a few moments in the Drunken Discordly chat for our after party. And Griffin, any last words? Yeah, finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.